0: Love
1: Talk Radio. I have returned to the land of the living. I am a zombie.
2: I am a zombie. I am a zombie. Every dead body that is not exterminated becomes one of them. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill.
3: over here.
4: All guys, welcome to the May 27, 2009 edition of RoboGuard Radio. I'm your host, Zombie. Uh, This episode of RoboGuard is brought to you by our sponsors. First off, WrestleWarehouse.com. You get Lucha Libre masks, T-shirts, DVDs, a whole bunch of different other stuff. Um, I suggest checking out every single DVD of SoCal Pro Wrestling. Uh, They're based out of San Diego, and just it's a really fun product. Um, I can't say enough about Jeff. Uh, Really good promoter, um, good with payoffs, and he uh, also uh, is a fast shipper. So, yeah, check out Jeff. Also, slambamjam.com. Much props to Alfredo out there in Southern California um, for all your Lucha Libre and Japanese pro wrestling needs. He's got classics. He's got new stuff. He's got some extensive best-of comps. Uh, Definitely worth checking out. Really good prices. slambamjam.com and tell uh, Alfredo, that zombie from Rubber Guard Radio, sent you. Also, we need to throw props out to the mothership, angrymarks.com. Thanks to Stevie J and the boys for hosting. Wow, and uh, before we get going, um, I'd like to announce uh, this week's Rubber Guard Radio Wrestler of the Week was uh, old school Oliver John. Uh, Oliver is based out of uh, Northern California here, and Oliver's just been uh, having a great year, and then some... Uh, you can check out some highlight videos. Um, I just posted an update on my MySpace page, so you can hit me up and uh, check out the videos. I have online, calling in from Pittsburgh, um, you know, the guy that called into that other radio show earlier. Uh, Joshi Rob, what's up, Robbie?
5: <laughs> the guy that called into the other radio show. Are you sure I'm talking about you, KZ? <laughs> <laughs> hey
4: now, hey now. Uh, enough of that. I'd like to welcome to the show, arguably, one of the Best in-ring technical performance I've ever seen, Mr. T.J. Perkins. Welcome to the show, T.J. How you doing?
0: I am doing very well.
4: How is the weather out there in sunny Florida?
0: It is very humid now. This week is uh, the start of the humid weather, I guess, uh, up until now. It's pretty much been like Los Angeles, but it's pretty muggy. Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. Has it rained there since you've been there?
0: Oh, yeah. Pretty much every day. Uh, probably this last month. <laughs>
4: Yeah. It's it's very very strange if if nobody's been to Florida. Um I was there as a teenager in Orlando and Tampa and we were at a theme park and I was with my younger brother and it was hot, humid, sun was out. Then the clouds pulled in and it started to rain. And we sat down on a bench. It was like being in a sauna. It was like I'm cutting weight for an MMA fight. I was like, this isn't right.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I've actually heard that uh Many people say that it feels like being in a sauna. Oftentimes, we'll be leaving a building, and I'll hear somebody say that, and it's, it's exactly how it feels.
4: Mm-hmm. Either the, either a sauna or a pro wrestling gorilla event.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, it's, it is. It's like uh, being at a pro wrestling gorilla event without the roof.
4: Yeah, there you go. Exactly. But uh.
0: that annoying big light. Oh. Is
5: that? <laughs> it? it's oh, Rob, you're
4: horrible. Um, Rob, can you take over, start off the interview for me real quick? I have a call on my phone.
5: Yeah, no problem, man. Cool. Hey, TJ, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing very well. Uh, cool. So so, um, you're down in Florida now. Where where are you wrestling for? Sorry? So you're down in Florida now. What promotion Um, are you wrestling
0: for? I heard something
5: about Prince Ikea's promotion, possibly.
0: um, Well, to be honest with you, I... Most of the, most of my schedule is still based out of the state. Um, I've done some work for NWA back in Texas, uh, and uh, I've been back and forth from Los Angeles a couple times now, and I'm actually going to go back uh, in about a week for some more dates and uh, you know, other stuff on the East Coast. Um, as far as uh, Florida, um, I, I've been doing work with uh, Full Impact Pro uh, last show I did for them, though I went down with an injury, so I missed a, I missed a show in between. But, but I've been pretty much doing all the same stuff. Yeah, I mean, you sound
5: like you've been busy. I mean, going to Florida, Texas, Los Angeles. Man, I mean, where haven't you been lately?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's uh, the same old thing. But I uh, try to keep busy until uh, until you could find more opportunities to attack. So.
5: Right, right. All right. So we got to ask some of the usual questions. How did you decide to get involved in
0: wrestling? Um. Well, I, I guess I could give you a usual answer. Uh, you know, it's something I wanted to do all my life. Uh, um, I don't honestly remember my life without wrestling. Um,
2: my earliest
0: memories. You know, I I remember being, you know, three years old or you know just a baby and watching. Saturday night's main event with my dad, and, um, watching the old, you know, WWE scroll over the ocean, the show opener, and uh, and even once I started, because, I mean, I got in professionally at a, at a young, a really young age, so I, I can't really remember, like, functionally how my life worked without being a wrestler, so I guess it's kind of the same story with, with a lot of people, I just kind of eventually got into it um, at a more rapid pace, okay. Right.
5: When you were younger, who who really st- stuck out to you, you know, who was who was your favorite star and said, you know, I want to be like him?
0: Um for me, I always uh I always really got into Eddie Guerrero. Um and his uh his family has a lot of roots in Southern California, so when I broke in, I mean, my, my
3: uh
0: my attention for him I didn't really uh, subside just because you know I'm surrounded by you know Mondo Guerrero and, and Chavo Jr. and Senior um, were in and out of Southern California, so they, you know they, they had a big influence on me um, and and obviously they all uh, come from the same teacher and then um, cool. I think a lot of people from my generation also you know look up to and idolize Shawn Michaels and for me it was the same way. Um, not I didn't really think it was necessarily a thing where I thought he was like the best in the world or anything like that, um, although, I mean, he is, uh, but I always thought that he was the first guy to kind of be outside the box. You know, I mean, the guy's wrestling in motorcycle boots and he's got funky gloves on, and it's, it's like, yeah, that's cool. You don't see that all the time. That's true. Uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know, but that is the truth. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, 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 take, it took wrestling in a different direction, you know. I mean, then, Later on, you got a guy like Jeff Hardy, and he takes the business in a new direction. And, you know, for my generation, it was Shawn Michaels. I mean, he was the guy that said, okay, the business is going this way. Everybody's going to follow me from now on. And they did. Great.
5: Right. So, so i got to ask, um, what was it like training with uh, H- Hector, I mean, excuse me, Mondo and Chavos? Are, you know, I mean, that, obviously, I mean, that, there's, that's a great group of teachers right there. And I, I couldn't think of anyone who'd be better.
0: Um. They're a lot like, uh, I mean, I've had a lot of training with, um, you know, I don't know if you'd call it traditional lucha libre um, wrestlers, but uh, I've I've been taught by a lot of guys um, from previous generations, you know, Negro Casas and different people. The Guerreros are a lot, I mean, they're exactly the same. I mean, they're very fiery, very old school, very tough, um, you know, but they have a lot of meaningful things to say. I mean, to this day, if I go and do... TV for, for WWE, Chavo Jr. still pulls me aside and lectures me for, you know, 30 or 40 minutes um, just to, you know, I guess kind of reaffirm me about things and teach me new things or just to, you know, get into, you know, different things, the philosophy of wrestling. And, you know, he, he always teaches me different stuff. Right,
4: right. I'm All back, right, Rob.
0: Oh, okay, here <laughs>
4: Okay, for for anybody that's listening and you, you'd like to call in to speak to any of our guests or maybe even Rob or myself, you can call in area code 347-215-7946. Now, um, TJ, which, was, which of the four Guerrero brothers were your personal favorite to watch?
0: Um, well, first would have to be Eddie just because he could do anything. I mean, I, I think that uh, he is the, the bar for – for uh, you know what a wrestler should be. I mean, there's nothing he couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I guess uh, I, mean, I I had a lot of experience with Chavo Senior. I mean, I've worked with him. I've I've you know trained with him, and um, you know he comes from such a, a generation that's so far back. You know, it's kind of people don't learn the way he learns um, anymore. So I always enjoyed. Watching him because um, w- I would be able to see the things he's saying to me in his work later when I would watch him. So,
4: mm-hmm. so it, it translates from what he what he told you to what you're you know seeing from the crowd or on TV. That's pretty yeah, cool. You
0: know, like he, yeah, yeah, like uh, one of those things where you uh, you know you could hear a lesson, but then when you could actually see it and it's kind of like a live textbook type thing. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, he's you know he's crazy so <laughs> it's really it's really it's no really uh, fun either way
4: okay I'm, g- I'm going to mention one name and I want to I want to know the first thing that pops into your head Jesse Hernandez
0: uh, I I would kind of say f- the word father he's kind of like a father figure to me in terms of wrestling
4: you too
2: <laughs> hmm?
4: <laughs> you know he, he's a a frequent guest of the show and I, I make it a point um, to have on you know a good mix of of current workers and you know quote unquote old timers. Uh, yeah. Jesse's always got something good to share. Either if you're a worker, if you're a referee, if you're a promoter, he's always got something to teach. And and I feel a, a responsibility to the to the younger kids that are breaking in because I have friends that have broken in recently. I've got friends that have been in the business for a while and I, I figure i owe it owe it to the to the people to hear a voice like his um i mean he's the the prototypical the perfect trainer the perfect indie promoter i i mean how dare i say the perfect indie promoter
0: <laughs> yeah he um i the speaking of him like he's father figures to me i mean like it, it really fits that way because oh hold on i'm sorry i <laughs> my apartment's right on the bay somebody's walking the really loud dog <laughs> um yeah it it fits to kind of for him to fit that role with me because i mean n- just even from wrestler to promoter i mean like as a trainer and, and even on a personal level we go back and forth and We butt heads a lot, but he always teaches me. He kind of keeps me grounded, you know, the same way that a mentor should. Um, And there isn't anybody else, I think, like him that, you know, promotes a show or runs, uh, you know, training. Um, You know, that's – the day he stops is the day that, you know, a really important generation gap is going to be broken, you know.
4: Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, But, you know, the thing is Jesse's going to die before he retires. He, you know yeah, he loves. That's he loves this. Honestly, you know, I mean, you know, from time to time, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll be bored or something, and I'll, I'll pick up the phone and I'll call Jesse. Hey, brother, what's going on? Up, oh, hanging up posters.
0: Yeah, that's all him. the time. I, yeah, he's, the guy's got to be like 102 already, but it seems <laughs> like he's the same. <laughs> he, seems like he's the same uh, guy he was. I mean, 10 years ago when I first started and he took me in, you know, back in 99. So.
4: Now I'm 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 looking through the uh your career route and you you broke in in 2000 and you went under TJ Perkins. Um yeah. then you did you you bounced back and forth with TJ Pinoy Boy. Um what made you go with the name Pinoy Boy because I understand you are Filipino?
0: Well, um it it was kind of an age thing with me. Um, uh, in the beginning, the, I started shopping around for wrestling schools when I was 12 or 13, but I mean, what am I going <laughs> to, what am I going to do? Move to Texas to go to, you know, the Heartbreak Kid Academy or something. So, um, you know, it was, it was a lot of trial and error until, um, around the end of 99, Jesse, Jesse's gym took me in. It was right before he, uh, his promotion split too. There's a big split and he lost mm-hmm. half of his guys, um, kind of myself included but you know i was just a student obviously a kid at the time and uh when i started working being at such a young age you know 14 15 years old and i looked every bit that age i, I still kind of do to be honest but um
4: no comment brother yeah <laughs> they
0: uh they you know small guys so they they tried to put me in baggy baggier gears to kind of hide my my physique and uh they put me under a mask and uh um, a lot of my work, actually, they would send me down to, across the border to Tijuana or something just to do the shows down there because it was it was i guess a little bit more accepting and right. uh obviously, you kind of need a moniker to go with a mask, so i mean that's kind of how the you know the Filipino nickname came about
4: mm-hmm. now speaking speaking of the Philippines um have you gone home and have you worked there
0: well um I, to be honest with you, I've actually never been to the Philippines.
4: <laughs>
3: okay. Um,
0: it, it's a and my mom's family's from there. Um, my grandmother actually is from Hong Kong. She's half Chinese, so I'm actually split between Filipino and Chinese on that side. And then my dad's side of the family's all Irish and European, so that's a whole different story. But I, I've actually never been um, home to the Philippines. Um, I'm probably the only family member that hasn't.
4: Okay. I'm. Uh... I'm looking here and and I'm there's a I hope gentleman I, didn't, like, who's,
0: knock, I hope I didn't knock out like 10 of your questions. <laughs> no, no,
4: no, no, not at all. Not at all. No, no. Um I'm I'm going through here and and I I see one gentleman whose career has kind of paralleled with yours and that's B-boy. Um you guys have teamed, you guys have obviously been in the ring with each other. Uh what do you think of Benny?
0: Benny Benny, I go way, way back. Um, I've, I've never ever felt. I, I mean, as long as I've been around him, and you know, when you're around somebody for a long time, you learn everything about him And I can't say a bad word about him, to be honest with you. Um, in the beginning, I, I mean, we did parallel each other, but he came on a little bit before me. So, I mean, for him, and obviously he was older. I, I mean even now, I'm in 10 years now, and I'm still younger than pretty much everybody, um, but when I was really young, he I mean, he was able to take me in and, and bring me places that I hadn't gone yet and kind of opened doors for me a little bit, um, wasn't really leading me by the hand, but, you know, he really befriended me, and a lot of people, I think, kind of got on his case in the beginning because it was kind of like easy work for him to kind of beat up on the new kid um, and disguising it like it was opportunities for me, but I I learned to wrestle in front of different crowds and I wouldn't have learned that if not for him and there's a lot of people that I met because he would bring me different places so, you know, I mean he's one of the best friends I've ever had uh, and yeah, I haven't seen him for a couple of years until recently when I wrestled with him.
4: Uh, what show was that?
0: Uh, we worked in Los Angeles for Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. He had, I don't know, I've heard he's moving back to the East Coast but at,
4: yeah, he's moving uh, back to February. Philly.
0: Yeah, and in, in February he had moved just recently moved back to San Diego. Um, so it was kind of a little reunion for him in the Southern California audience.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's um, on his way back east. So um, kind of a shame because uh, I I'm I'm a believer in that. I I still believe. That guys should work the same way they did in the territorial days, where you stay six months, then you move on to a new area. And he's got the name where he's able to do that. But I guess he just wanted to, uh, to, uh, you know, move out east. But
0: yeah, know, I, mean, I to feel him. the same. Yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. I, 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 I think that a, I, I really think that Southern California could have benefited from having him back. And and he's somebody that you know has instant recognition, but Um, you know, people can really get behind them and, uh, and that's the reason I moved out here is because of that. You know, you got to travel where the work is and that's Mm -hmm. the way it's always been. And I kind of think that my generation doesn't get that, you know, um, the hype generation from 2000 guys like low key and Joe and different people and, 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 uh, different promotions like ring of honor coming up and they have all this money to build promotions. They don't know exactly what they want to do. You know, and they they take certain guys that get popular, and they're flying them all over. And people don't realize how much of a blessing that is. You know, you look back at some of the most famous people, the earliest times in their careers. You know, Shawn Michaels had to drive to Louisiana and and live there. And uh, you know, Eddie Guerrero and and different guys, they had to go where the work was. And I, I kind of think that that's something that a lot of uh, people from my generation don't get. You know, it's something I'm still learning.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, I I tell you. Like I said to um my guests last week, um Kanabadi and the suburban commandos uh they're guys from up here in northern California, and they did the same thing you did uh they moved to florida they they took that leap of faith um you know i gotta tell you brother it takes a takes a set to do it to pack up <laughs> and go um
0: no, I, I guess it's kind of <laughs> easy if you're in my position if you're young and you you don't really you don't got anything to lose you know why not i guess um but i don't know i i guess if anybody loves something enough you know they'll you know nothing's going to stop them i i firmly believe everybody is their own enemy and that's and that's it nobody else can stand in your way but you so you know
4: very good point now uh we <clears throat> you've worked for pretty much every indie in southern california um and you came up in 2000 uh you were at the beginning of Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, you were all over the place. You were in the ring with everybody that's worked for that promotion. Actually, you've been in the ring with the who's who of everybody down in SoCal. Um, what was your favorite SoCal match that you've ever had? And I'm really putting you on the spot.
0: Um, let me think about that one. Uh, I I think most recently, because uh, this last year I've, I've taken larger leaps than I have in the past as far as growing, you know, as as an artist, as a as a performer, you know. Um, I would probably say in the last year I've had a couple that were that were pretty great for me. And uh one I got to wrestle a guy that I've been friends with ever since uh my first day. Uh he he wrestles by the name of Liger Rivera. Um we work uh for Jesse um at empire wrestling federation. And, um, we finished off a long year of work. And in one night I was able to, you know, go from one of the most loved guys that they've had in a while to the worst guy they've ever seen in their life. And then back to being (laughs) the most loved guy all because of being able to be in there with a friend. So that singles match for me was, was really great. That was, I can't remember what month it was, but it was fairly recent before I moved. And then, uh, at the Battle of Los Angeles tournament, I wrestled uh, Brian Danielson, who's also a good friend, and another guy who's kind of paralleled my career. I mean, we kind of did a lot of the same things at the same time. So we debuted in Japan the same night. Um, and it was kind of the peak of a character arc for me, turning heel, you know. People kind of got to see me work without having to work, so to speak, you know. So I would okay. say those two are probably probably the highlights, you know. Well who do you think would be the low light though? On the on What?
5: <laughs> he said that those two would be the highlights. Who do you think would be the low light if you had to pick anyone? The low light?
0: Uh yeah. oh god, I don't know. <laughs> I've I've uh I've had pretty terrible trial and error. If I have a low high, low end on my highlight career it's, it's definitely not uh not because of the other guy, it's probably because of me, because... I tend to think outside the box a lot more than others, so I, sometimes I really crash and burn with the stories I try to tell, but I guess that's how you grow. Right, right.
4: I, I was going to say the matches you've had with the hardcore kid, but, you know, I always always have to get a dig in at Aaron because he's always busy, and he can never give me the time of day. But, you know, I mean, that happens when you work for All Japan Pro Wrestling.
0: Yeah, I am I, uh, I miss that guy. I'm good friends with him, I, but I rarely ever get to see him. No.
4: <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, let, let's talk about your experiences um, on the set of filming CSI. Um, talk about it, brother. Tell me, please. I loved the episode.
0: A <laughs> uh, I, I bunch of me and my Mexican friends goofing off is probably the best way to put it. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, I, I recently just did an, uh, an interview where they I was asked the same question. It wasn't really like a, a profound thing coming on. I just um, you know Los Angeles is a strong lucha libre scene, and they were filming the episode around a you know a serial killer buried within a lucha libre promotion, and um, they needed guys, and uh, pretty much all my friends are <laughs> Mexican wrestlers, so uh, you know we all got cast for the different parts most of my stuff got cut out though they made kind of made me uh a bit of a heartthrob which uh it's kind of a shame they pulled it out most of the time I was getting the chicks on camera but um it was just a fun couple days got to meet Lawrence Fishburne uh Scorpio Sky really got a kick out of meeting Lawrence Fishburne so
4: yeah that was the Aaron Aguilera show um he just blew I, me away.
0: I a, yeah, I sent him a I sent him a message the day that I s I, I didn't get to see it air when it aired, but I saw like a streaming version of it and I, I sent him a message that he had a pretty uh pretty nice uh scene there at the end. He's he's a lot better performer than people think because he's kind of a shy person sometimes, but
4: Okay. I'm I'm going through uh your your career results here. Uh we have PWG, we have UPW, we have EWF, and then I come across the AWS. Um, the AWS, for me, is just, it's something completely different. Um, the atmosphere, um, I don't know what it is, but um, let's let's talk about BART. Um, what, what are your feelings on BART as a promoter? One. And as a matchmaker? Two.
0: Um, with BART... Everything, everything with Bart and AWS, uh, um, I, I could all roll it up really easily. Bart, maybe the best person I've ever worked for. I, I would say he's probably the best person I've ever worked for because he gets so much out of having so little tools to work with, and in such a region that I guess any region for indie wrestling is kind of you know dry, but SoCal has a pretty tough time just like anybody. And he, he, I mean, he really puts together some great stuff. Um, but, and nobody will admit this, maybe the worst venue you could possibly ever be in. (laughs) Maybe the worst, but Bart is probably the best guy I've ever worked for. And I've, I've told him many times, I will always, always, no matter what, go back and work for him just because he's such a great guy to all the people that work for him. And, um, he gives you just enough freedom to, you know, artistically put together whatever you want, mm-hmm. um, but he puts you in the right place. Like he puts guys with the rights in the in the right places, so that um, your job is always easy. You know. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, that that's the way it should be. Um, I, Rob, and the listeners, they all know I hate the term writer. Okay, no, yeah, sorry. There, yeah, you, you. There's a booker. You, you make your matches and let the boys do their thing. That's it. Yeah. That's the magic. You know, and and especially when it comes to you know grabbing the stick and, and cutting a promo, I can't stomach this stuff. It's not real to me. I, I don't feel it. And and Bart is a perfect example of a of a good matchmaker. He puts the stuff yeah. on the board and lets. You guys, the the artists, paint your picture, and that's the way it should be. Um, creative freedom. It's exactly yeah, what it is. I mean, he,
0: yeah, he gives us a lot of freedom, um, and uh, I, I, people don't really understand how far it goes when a guy like Bart knows knows you well enough that he can give you. He doesn't have to say a word, but he will always put you with, with people he knows that you can create good art with you know you never end up showing up to, to work for Bart and saying what the hell am I going to do with this guy you know he's one of the smartest people as far as that stuff um a lot of promoters think outside the box they want to create something interesting but they don't always play to the to their employees strengths. Bart really does um I wish he would play to his venue's strength because it's a pretty terrible place to work but he's maybe the best person I've ever worked for.
4: Okay. You, you, you've you worked for Martine Marin, um, WPW. Um, compare the venues. Bart's and Martine's. Um,
0: <coughs> Physic- physically, <laughs> I mean, and this is probably the only time you'll ever have a debate where uh, weather conditions come into play. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, it's... Uh, Physically speaking, it's it's pretty much the same. Even the even the ring is built by the same people. I believe they both have uh, old uh, Jim Crockett rings from WCW days. Um, somehow they they both ended up with one. But <laughs> um, so climate and physically, it's the same thing. But uh, I, I'd say with Martine, and I don't know how like the years have changed or anything. Cause I haven't been back in a while, and uh, and I don't know how it was before I was there, but he had a little bit more of a traditional, well-defined Lucha Libre crowd. So, um, you know, as long as you work towards the show that it's built for, you were fine. Bart's, for example, is kind of like wrestling in the backyard of a party. (laughs) So a lot of people might be enjoying themselves, and you just don't really know it because it's so relaxed and uh, it's hard, you know. Um, You get to a certain level of working, you kind of understand that your match is really with the people, not with the guy across the ring from you. But then if you're working under those parameters in a place like Bart's, it's kind of hard to do because it's hard to get things out of them because you really don't know what they're thinking. Um, Which is kind of good because they don't necessarily crucify you if you do a bad job, but you never really know if you're doing a good job. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, who... In the ring during a match, has hit you the hardest? I'm just gonna guess Super Dragon.
0: Um, no, I I think he, at one point in his career he was trying to hit people very hard, but and you could tell, <laughs> but he oh, never yeah. really he never really hit me too terribly hard. Um, I I'm not sure. I would. It, it, are we talking Southern California specifically, or
4: just in general?
0: Um. I would say one of the hardest times I've ever been hit uh, was one time, my first tour Japan, actually, I got hit uh, by El Samurai. He gave me a clothesline, and uh, that's probably the only time I've ever been close to being knocked out. Um, I mean, I've taken a lot of pretty tough stuff, but um, and he's a really easy guy to work with, but for some reason he's got a rocket for an arm every now and then, and uh, he really laced me up with that one. <laughs>
4: Well, at least you're able to say something positive about Samurai. He's just one of those guys that I just can't, just can't accept. I just have never liked
0: him. <laughs> you know, the funniest I, thing was I uh, I had this conversation with Brian Danielson once before. We were ta- people. Uh, when you've been to the places that me and he and I have been, um, we get a lot of the questions about really famous guys like you know Jushin Liger, Tiger Mask, and and they're all great and they deserve every bit of recognition from their work um, being in the ring with them, they live up to everything they've earned. But Brian and I both have agreed that, at least in New Japan, the, the best guy to work with was El Samurai because he's so easy. Like, he hasn't, changed, he hasn't changed a thing in his arsenal in, in God, 30 years. And, uh, and you could wrestle him with your eyes closed because he's so business. Like, he's, he's, got, he's got his own game down to a science. Like it's so easy to wrestle him.
5: I mean, I, I'm a fan of uh, El Samurai myself. You know, he's he's definitely a good wrestler, and yeah, you know, I, mean, I think he'd be a good person to work. Actually, you know, compared with some of the other guys out there, you know, what I mean, he's not he's not too. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just saying, I I could see why a lot of people would have a hard time getting into him. Um, kind of just because he ends up being in the same, you know, I mean, he's in the same place he was you know, however many years ago. So, you know, when you're, I don't want to say stagnant, but when you're in that position, uh, I guess, and he doesn't do anything that's too terribly visually appealing. So, right. unless you know him over a long periods, I mean, it's kind of like, oh, well, what does this guy have to offer? But
4: I i would compare him to um, Val Venus. Solid hand, I, will always work.
0: Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good uh, way to put it. I mean, Oh, guys like him always have a place where they are. I think this mm-hmm. is I for sure I'm sure this is why he has a job to this day, is because you get a guy like him or like uh you know, like Sean Waltman was in, in the mid nineties where they're kinda like the guard for for the company and it's like, if you can't work with this guy, you, you can't work for us type thing, you know? Um and El Samurai fits that bill. Um but uh you know, I guess only certain people are gonna understand that that's their role. And that's why it should be, or else we wouldn't have a business. Mm-hmm. I
4: I think I think the reason why I feel the way I do about him was because I I first started started seeing him in ninety three ninety four. So you had Benoit, you had Sasuke, you had Liger, you had Otani, you had you know, and the list goes on and on. Where he kind of got lost in the shuffle, and and being kind of, I don't want to say bland, but I mean his work was always solid. It just he wasn't flashy, he wasn't I couldn't just identify with him, plus it was a one one hell of a talent pool at that time, so I mean it's gotta be tough
0: yeah it's, <coughs> that's definitely a, a pretty probably a big contributing factor as to why probably a lot of people are lost on his work just because uh by comparison i mean look who the look who the guy on the left and right of him was you know yeah yeah I mean exactly. you, you know I mean. I you know, I
5: don't even think Eddie Guerrero sometimes could, you know, could even what was even, you know, just as good as some of the other guys and you know, I mean, it's Eddie Guerrero, so I mean, you know, what you know, what do you expect from someone like El Samurai? But you know, I mean I yeah. I, I, I mean I thought he was always good, you know, he's just he he just he, he's more of like an American style almost than like a Japanese style. you, you know, he's got that like maybe Japanese eighties style but not yeah, you know, he's not real flashy, but like you guys said, like some of the other guys of that era. So was kind of uh, his detriment.
4: Okay, so so TJ, how did you end up at the Inoki Dojo?
0: Um, when I was sixteen or seventeen, um, I the Indies were kind of drying up a bit in southern california. Gorilla wasn't yet coming on. Um there's a promotion out there uh called uh, Millennium Pro Wrestling which was kind of like Pro Wrestling Gorilla 1.0. Like they're the first place mm-hmm. in southern california to be like flying guys in. Like they brought low-key in and mm-hmm. and and it was it was very inter- I think that was kind of why Pro Wrestling Gorilla came about cuz it only lasted a little while and then I kind of think all the all the boys in in SoCal were like well, how can we get that going again? So they kind of maybe put together something to supplement. But um, UPW was losing its developmental, or they had lost it already. I can't remember. And um, I had nowhere to go. And, uh, you know, I mean, I had been wrestling a few years at this point, and um, I was uh, kind of easing into adulthood. So it was kind of like scaring me, like, what am I going to do as a career? I never really thought about that before. And uh, some of my friends... Had uh, gone over to um, the Inoki Dojo, the New Japan Gym, when they opened it up. Um, Simon Inoki was instrumental in bringing Japanese guys into UPW, so he opened up the New Japan Extension. Uh, the Havana Pitbulls, who at the time were called the Los uh, Cubanitos, um, who were probably my best friends in the business, were training there. And jo- Small Joe, who's also a really good friend of mine, was working out there. And um, they needed guys. And uh, I remember talking to Reyes with the Pitbulls one day, and I was just telling him I don't know where to go. I, maybe I'm gonna try to contact Dragon Gate or Toriyama. I don't remember what it was at the time, but and he said, just come with us, and just kind of fell on my lap. You know, I kind of think it was God watching me and saying, you know, well, you really need something right now, so it kind of fell in my lap. Mm-hmm.
5: What are, What are your thoughts on uh, Simon and Anoki? You mentioned him, and he's obviously an interesting character.
0: Um, I think he is one of the, he's one of the most, um, how do I say this? He, he always means well. He's one of those people that you will meet and you, you, he's one of the guys that, um, he will always mean well more so than anybody else, but he's just so spineless most of the time. And, uh, a lot of the, because, and because he holds such a high chair wherever he works, um, there's always a lot of people surrounding him, and I kind of think that he tends to be swayed by them. Um, he was kind of like Jesse for me when I was when I was in New Japan. Um, you know, he was a guy I could go to, and he always meant well again, but um, he just would not speak up for anything. Um, and so a lot of times his, you know, his, his good intentions would get lost. Right. That makes sense.
4: Well, we we can't go any further without mentioning the name Dave Marquez of the National Wrestling Alliance. It's um, a pretty it's a pretty good <laughs> Dave
0: Marquez. Now, if, if you dress up like the Bob's Big Boy uh, dude with glasses or the Verizon <laughs> the Verizon guy, you'd have it down pat.
4: <laughs> Please share a Dave Marquez story with me.
0: Um, let's see. I would try to think of a good one, but um. I don't know. I mean, Dave... <laughs> Dave is the king of telling stories that you always leave wondering if it's ever true what he says or not. <laughs> um, uh, Dave is, is a good friend of mine, and he always has been, and he probably always will be. Um, he's given me a lot of opportunities with NWA. Um, let's see. I don't know, man. <laughs> And not any one single story sticks out, but, but, uh, but I don't know, he's, uh, he's a good guy. He's one of those guys you can kind of tell that he's going to be there someday when, you know, you're like 60 years old. He's still going to be part of your life.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, definitely a character. and. Uh,
0: yeah, Mike DiBiase calls him Mickey Mouse. He refuses to call him Dave Marquez. He only calls well, him by, by the name Mickey Mouse.
4: Well that that explains why he no longer holds a title. So.
0: Should be careful. <laughs> well, he, Mike ibiasi is also uh quite out of left field as well. So.
4: Well, he's
0: <laughs> Why do you say that? Uh the the he's, the the,
4: he's, he's the, the gene pool guy. was not fair. The gene pool was not evenly distributed. That's that's all I'm going to say. Um
0: Yeah, he <laughs> it on camera he's he's, he's probably the best looking of all of the DB is Great, you know, sharp featured guy and very charismatic, but uh yeah, he's a little he's a little out there.
4: Yeah. I, I, I think he needs to go spend a solid year with Harley and um get humbled and <clears throat> and just uh you know, learn how to relax. You know, he he comes off during his promos they, they come off kinda rushed and, you know, it's he doesn't have to prove himself. He doesn't have to show that, you know, hey, I'm in the same league as my brother. You know, you just you need to go out there and just handle your business. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, you you mentioned the uh, the pit bulls, um, Rocky, Rocky Romero and Ricky Reyes. Um, let's yeah. talk about your time in Mexico. Um, were those rings stiff or what?
0: Oh, yeah. Most of the time we were in uh, boxing rings, so it was kind of like some of them weren't even really rings. Like, uh, we would leave the building and um, they'd be breaking stuff down and um, they would pull the tarp off and pull the posts away after getting the ropes off and it wasn't even a ring at all. It was just a big uh, cement stage, like a permanent slab that they just covered with a tarp, you know? I I couldn't imagine a
5: boxing ring. I've had some experience in Boxing before, and that, those rings are terrible. Like I, that would that I, I don't know, you know, especially how some of the Mexican wrestlers just don't kill themselves on those rings. I mean, they're awful.
0: Fail. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I I could deal with a box. I prefer actually, really, being in a boxing ring as opposed to to a wrestling ring because, I, I mean, I'm a firm believer that you can get a lot more than you think out of your work without having to, <laughs> to use a the ring to do it but um, but uh, I kind of think that the line should be drawn at the cement slab covered by tarp just because you can't even <laughs> kneel down without hurting yourself because it's legitimately like kneeling if you put a bed sheet on the sidewalk, that's some of the places was like wrestling like that so oh, man
4: now did you prefer working trios or singles
0: um now, well I guess trios then and trios now just Trios then because it was uh, exciting. We had so much to put into it, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, made life easier. Now I'd probably still say trios just out of pure laziness.
3: <laughs> but um, <laughs>
0: um, I I uh, I think if not working in that format, we wouldn't have gotten the experience that we had down there because a lot of what we accomplished and came in the form of working those types of matches, you know, because like we came back in 2003 and um, a lot of the places that we were getting work in the United States, me and Rocky anyway, um, was based on the fact that we were putting together stuff that had never been seen in Mexico. I mean, as far as people in the United States hadn't seen it anyway, is what I mean. And so, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: um, and now all of a sudden you got guys like the young bucks and, and different people that can just work 60 minutes of that. But if not for if not for us, I kind of think that a, like a lot a lot of that process might have been slower to come on. And I don't even like that style anyway, but <laughs> but um I kind of think that format if, if we were working singles down there or working singles, if not for doing that, we wouldn't have gotten the attention we did. I mean, we won awards for some of our matches, sometimes after matches we'd have money thrown in the ring from the people, which is a rare custom for Mexican wrestling. I mean, it's, that doesn't happen every day. Um, we had a huge match at their anniversary show, which was, I don't think I've ever been in an atmosphere like that. It was like, it was like playing in the NBA finals. It was 20,000 people sold out and it was just amazing. You know,
4: were, were you lucky enough to work one of the, uh, Ciberneticos? Uh,
0: I don't, I don't believe so. Um, mm. No, I don't think so. I remember asking Rocky about it, too, because um, there's a big picture of one of them um, on the wall in the gym. But uh, I don't I don't know that we ever even came across any of them. Now, uh, down in Mexico, you, I, I'm pretty sure I saw that you worked
5: Ricky Marvin a few times. Do you have any thoughts about him as a wrestler?
0: Yeah, Ricky, I don't think I've ever had somebody that was harder to keep up with than that guy, man. <laughs> Ricky was great, and uh, he uh, he's the one that really kind of took us in. Um, I mean, a lot of people took us in down there, Shocker, Negro, um, as kind of mentors, but Ricky took us in as friends, and I was, he was the first and, and one of the only guys to do that, and uh, we worked an entire feud with him and uh, two other guys, and that's That was like our signature on our time there because we spent the better part of two thousand. We pretty much spent two thousand three in Mexico, and um, um, all of it was pretty much working the feud with them. We won match of the year for the anniversary show because of our matches with Ricky and his team, and uh, um, Ricky was putting us over really good. Rocky and I, our team, won uh, like wrestlers of the year, like stuff like their new 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 sensation of the year, something like that. I don't know. But it was all pretty much orchestrated by Ricky wanting to work with us, so that's great. Mm. Okay.
4: okay. Um, um You
5: mentioned the trios matches. Who were the other two? Because I, I could have sworn I, I saw that you worked uh either Volador or Stuka somewhere. Um know. the other
0: two were Volador Junior and um Virus. Verus. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
4: and they yep. they defeated um Bobby Rocco Quantz who I love to death. I love Bobby. Um, <laughs> TJ and Rocky. Um, I, me- I mentioned uh, Bobby. Um, let's talk about Bobby. Uh, <clears throat> what, what do you think of his work?
0: Um, I, I think that on a raw level, he's he's got so much more to offer than almost anybody I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, his work is directly reflective of him as a person and just being friends with him kind of changed my whole look on life, you know, being braver and wanting to take more risks, not necessarily physically, but just not worrying about too much because that's the type of person he was in the ring. And that's how, that's how he was out of it. And I mean, look at, I mean, now he's in the, he's in, he's, a, he wants to be a Navy SEAL. The guy's like Forrest Gump. He just drifts through life and does whatever he wants. And it's, you know, a lot of people look at it as weird, or maybe it's sad because he's not in the ring anymore. But for me, it's inspiring because he was such a great person as a friend to me. Mm-hmm.
4: I, I I have to disagree. Um, I miss. I mean, I'm a, up here in Northern California, brother. I mean, I saw the good stuff from 2003. You know, I, the 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 tags with B Boy and Quants, um or uh, Dragon, all those guys. I mean, I saw a bunch of those matches, and I really miss Bobby. And to be honest, he left at the wrong time. He was just getting getting out there on the East Coast. He was in the best of the best for CZW, and then he left, and it was a shame. But that's that's my own selfish, you know, my, my own selfish reasonings. But Bobby will be back.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people share that same opinion. Myself as well. Um, the only the only way that I differ from um, from the way everybody else saw him is just since I knew him so well, you know, and living with him for a year and everything, like, as as a wrestler, his heart was only in it so far, and he, he loved what he was able to do, but mm-hmm. despite the doors he was opening with his with his muscles and, and his body, his brain and his heart wasn't going to keep growing, you know, like, he, his heart wasn't, I don't think that he would have grown anymore as a wrestler, so he might end up being kind of like, you know, the indie version of, of an Al Samurai, where it's like, oh, this guy's great, and then three or four years later, you're like, Bobby's still doing the same thing. Why isn't he anywhere? Why isn't he getting bigger? Why, isn't he, you know, why isn't he working on this or that? Um, which isn't like it's not a knock on his work. It just uh, his heart wasn't in it, mm-hmm. um, especially towards the end. You know. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I kind of kind of got that feeling. Um, yeah, you know. If he goes on to be a SEAL, he'll do it very well. Uh, Bobby, when he puts his mind to things, um, you know, he will do it. And with his training coming up through the APW boot camp and whatnot, um, you know, they worked him hard. You know, and that's serious. And he persevered. And whatever he chooses to do, you know, for his in his personal life, that's cool. if he wants to come back to the business, there's always a door open up here in Northern California for him. No doubt.
0: Yeah, I, th- um, I think everybody everybody would uh, welcome back with open arms. He did. He came back and worked uh, for Gorilla, actually, a few uh, months ago, um, just as a one-off. And, uh, you know, everybody would love to see him back, you know. Yeah.
4: <clears throat> okay. So how did you end up working for New Japan Pro Wrestling in Japan?
0: Um. Well, it was pretty. I mean, it was just directly a product of uh, the gym out here. Uh, mm-hmm. They opened up New Japan in Los Angeles. I, I guess kind of the same way you would open up developmental, like when WWE would put a developmental gym in, you know, Memphis or wherever they happen to be in in any generation. But um, that's how it was. It was just a means of connecting both countries and the talent to and from both countries. They needed a place to send. Uh, young Japanese guys to get experience and they needed to put, they needed a, a, a means of uh, evaluating American talent. So that's how that came into play. And it wasn't but a few months that we were there that, you know, they shipped us all over to Japan shortly after my 18th birthday, actually.
4: Cool. Um, now you worked who the who's who of um, junior heavyweights in, in New Japan. Um, who who was your favorite opponent? Um native um, opponent
0: <laughs> of Japan?
4: <laughs> um, yes. I
0: I would probably say uh like I said before I mean, El Samurai was was one mm-hmm. of my favorites just because it was so easy to work with them um I guess I would say that because at the time, you know, it's really nerve-wracking. I mean, I was you know, I was 18 years old as a kid and I I didn't even think about WWE as a dream or anything. New Japan was my dream, and specifically New Japan, too. Um, So being there and being 18 and saying, hey, you're going to work on a tour and you're going to work at the Tokyo Dome, you're going to do everything here, and it's like, yeah, that's a lot to be on a plate. And then to work with a guy like El Samurai here and there, and it's like, oh, at least tonight I don't have to worry because I'm working with him. You know, that was great. Um, Overall... I mean, it was just a pleasure to be in there with again, you know, like you said, the who's who. Just because um, you you learn why they're so good, and then you become good for it. You know, guys like Tiger Mask, guys like Jushin Liger. So,
4: <clears throat> so um, tell me, <clears throat> what was it like getting in the ring with um, Rizuke Taguchi?
0: Uh he's got a hell of a dropkick, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> uh, Thank you for confirming. It was, it was pretty much, uh, pretty much <laughs> the only movie he had at the time. Uh, now he's, he's a hell of a guy, but um, at the time he he didn't really know much, but he was the top of his class. So, you know, he had a, a, a really good basic understanding of, of uh, professional wrestling and everything. But, um, the, at, At that stage in in guys' careers, in New Japan anyway, I don't know how it is in any other places, but New Japan, you know, it's the biggest promotion in the country. I would say it's probably the second biggest promotion in the world, you know, and um, their their young guys coming up are really uptight because a lot's expected of them, and uh, they're very old schoolish with them, you know, and I spent a lot, I lived in the dojo in Tokyo. I I stayed in Chris Vilma's old dorm room, so I spent a lot of time with them training every day, and I could see... And went through the same things that they did, um, and uh, so working with him at that time, it was just—it was. I don't want to say he was not—he was nervous, not that he was scared, but he just had this very stiff meaning of thinking and moving about him because uh, those guys are just so tight at that time. It takes them a long time to you know relax. Are you are you, um, are you surprised at
5: all by uh, T- Tanahashi's uh, progress over the years and? you know becoming you know kind of like a mid-card guy but now being the pretty much absolute ace of like Japanese wrestling
0: um tanahashi no because the day we i mean from the day you meet that guy the time we met him you knew he was going to be good um and he was good and he was great and for and they they really waited a long time on him when he was when he had like his bangs in his eyes and he still wore trunks and he was just doing you know, whatever undercard stuff, he was great, and they just didn't—they didn't let him break out for a little bit, which probably is good. The guy I'm surprised most about is probably, uh, maybe Nakamura, just because even to this day I kind of wonder how much he actually <laughs> knows about pro wrestling, because he was a very <laughs> accomplished submission wrestler and amateur wrestler, but as far as professional wrestling goes, the guy—I mean—he didn't know anything, you know. So they built yeah, a lot was, of
5: stuff. Still-
0: yeah, I mean, they, they pushed him, and he had no tools other than his amateur background whatsoever. And uh, I think if they didn't build it around the story of him being an amateur guy and being good at that, I don't know where where he would be now, just because it's surprising how far he's come in short time with, I mean, he just he had nothing to offer other than his amateur stuff, and now he's on top of the world, you know? Right, right. Yeah,
5: I mean, you
0: know, I mean, for New Japan, I mean, he...
5: They had, you know, they almost had to push him because, yeah, he didn't have too many other young guys that really could have, you know, took it as, you know, like he did, you know, especially with yeah. the background. I, I mean, he's a
0: good, he's a good example of a guy with, a, you know, the, the right type of look in his eye and the charisma that he has as a person, like, to go far. Because the guys in his class, I mean, he was in Taguchi's class and Yamamoto, who's out here in developmental, is. Uh, Yoshi Tatsu was in his class, and I'll be honest, like, most of the class was better than him, a lot better than him. I think to this day they might still be better than him fundamentally, but Nakamura just, you know, he had something special in him. Right.
4: That, uh, I'm sorry, you two gentlemen are entitled to your opinions, and I am the complete opposite. I, I can't stomach Nakamura.
0: I <laughs> no, I'll be honest. I don't. I can't really get. If, if not for the fact that he he's a good friend of mine, like I can't. I agree. I can't really. I don't see how people can get behind him because I don't think it's that interesting. But um, you know, they did a lot with having very little tools with him.
4: Mhm. Very good point. That's a very very good point. Um, but what do, you, well, um,
0: what, what do you think
5: about their current crop right now of rookies? I mean, they have. You know, they have uh, Yoshihashi and they still have Yujiro of course. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. I That'd think they're fun. kind of like robots now. I mean they, they move like any typical young guys and uh, it, I mean I think Yujiro's great. He he came up at a time, I was still there when he came in. Right. He he's got more substance. The rest of the guys are like a Michael Bay movie, man, like they just look like you know, any young Dragon Gate upstart who has a few spots and they just do the same stuff every night. They don't have the same heart that the young boys used to have. Oh, right. I, I, well, I think I
5: think the Dragon Gate guys are actually better at this point. I mean, you know, I, I the, definitely do too. I mean, no one has produced the talent they've produced. I mean, they they produce Shingo, Hulk. They got Tozawa coming up. I mean, they've really been on the ball, and and um, they even produced, helped produce help uh, produce Cyber Kong, who New Japan originally passed on.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now speaking of speaking of Dragon Gate, um, TJ, are you going to throw your name in the hat to a uh to work for Dragon Gate USA?
0: Um, you know, up until recently, I hadn't actually thought about it. Um, and then uh, I, uh, I, I, I have a good relationship with um, with a lot of the guys. And so um, recently I've come in contact with, with a number of them. And so uh, not that it's like we're negotiating dates or schedules or anything, but it's kind of on the table. So I'm kind of waiting to see how their schedule starts lining up and um, and what like where I would fit into it so I mean I'm definitely interested obviously but
4: that's cool well um, we are going to wrap up this interview it was a very fast hour mr. Perkins thank you for your time
2: well, thank you guys very much thank
4: now you. if anybody out there um, not just in Florida East Coast west coast wherever and you'd like to uh, get a hold of mr. Perkins for booking um, or even fan mail, how would the uh, the people go about doing that, TJ? Oh, I don't
0: know. I <laughs> I don't even know how to look up my own MySpace. To be honest, my fiance built it for me. <laughs> um, I suppose if you search for me, I ha- I do have a page on on um, on MySpace, uh, but it might be a little tough to find. And um, God, man, I don't know.
4: <laughs> All right, uh, this is this is gonna be funny. Uh oh boy, okay. Myspace.com backslash t underscore j underscore p underscore and just spell Perkins with underscores.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it. That's how it is. It's underscores all the way to the last s. <laughs>
4: <coughs> I gave up. I got halfway and I was like, No, I'm gonna blow up. I I still have Rick Luxury on hold, so I have another hour to go. So. <laughs>
0: Thank you guys for having me. Very much.
4: Not a problem, brother. And good good luck there in Florida. And hopefully you, you do um you do uh, latch on with Dragon Gate. Um,
0: yeah, I hope so. I hope uh, you know, I hope some new horizons are up for me, so I have more to talk about someday in the future.
4: It's going to be you know to be honest. It's going to be something different, and that's hey. I'm all for I'm all for it. So, but TJ, thank you for your time. Um, and just to let you know, you're 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 no longer an up and comer. You are truly an independent pro wrestling superstar. Um, <laughs> Thank
0: you, youngest old timer in the business. I, I'm told.
4: <laughs> it was funny when, well, you were there when when uh, Jeff and myself were filming the shoot interview with the Ballard brothers. You were trying to sleep, and yeah. I was the gentleman doing the interviewing. So that the, <laughs> I still I still. You know, I pop in the disc and and I look and, and I listen to that to that part where I mentioned about about you being you know a young up and comer and I'm like fuck man he broke in at fourteen. What?
0: People <laughs> forget it, uh, it's been a decade. Like that's pretty <laughs> pretty long time sometimes, but oh, well. that's
4: insanity. But once again, brother, thanks for coming on and and it was my pleasure and good luck to you in your future uh, future bookings and and career moves.
0: Thank you very much, guys.
4: Awesome. Okay, that was Mister T.J. Perkins, um, former SoCal uh, standout, Stallworth, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he decided to take the leap of faith and and uh, take that jump to Florida. But uh, before we before we patch in Rick Luxury, I do have to play the quick commercial so Stevie doesn't get mad at me. Pro wrestling got you down? Need something to lift your spirits? Listen to the podcast at AngryMarks.com. If wrestling gets you all hot and bothered, we've got what you need. Visit AngryMarks.com or subscribe for free on iTunes. The AngryMarks.com
2: podcast, where the marks get nothing but satisfaction.
4: Okay, and we are back. But I am thoroughly confused. I have two area code 925 numbers on. So let's uh, go with this one. Caller, welcome to Rubber Guard Radio. Who am I speaking with?
1: Wrestling personified Rick Luxury.
4: The man.
1: The man. The, the man. Myth, the NorCal legend.
4: you damn right. Uh, welcome to the show, Rick. I, I have to be it's been honest. a long
1: awaited time.
4: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We we had your tag partner on a few months ago, Mr. MPT. Um, we've had your your manager on, Marcus Mack. So it's only a you know it was only a matter of time before we get you on. Um, before we start off anything, you have a big match coming up this Saturday with uh, one of SoCal's best, Joey Ryan.
1: Yes, sir. I do. Talk that about Joey. Be in That'll be in Milpitas for Pro Wrestling Revolution. You can check out their website at Pro Wrestling. DashRevolution.com. Joey Ryan. Uh, Joey Ryan is a phenomenal worker, uh, mainly out of Southern California. He's done big things in uh, in gorilla, and he's he's been a, around the world. And I am looking forward to the first time being able to step in the ring with Joey Ryan. Mm-hmm.
4: Should uh, should be a a pretty good match. Um, actually, it's going to be a hell of a show. Um, I, I can't lie. Um, I'm just going to be honest. Um but we do have another caller from the 925 area code. This is kind of odd. So we're going to patch him in. Caller from the 925, who am I speaking with?
1: Okay. Nobody.
4: <laughs> Nobody. Fail. Oh boy. Well, I tried whoever whoever it was they hung up. So oh, they So we'll probably uh, Rick, just try and impersonate. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So tell me, <laughs> how'd how did you fall in love with this wacky business?
1: Uh well, it's a it's a, it's a weird story. I don't know how much truth behind it because it's before that I can actually remember any any uh memories in life, but I was told that when I was in the hospital uh being delivered that my biological father was watching wrestling on the television and it's it's just been around my whole entire life. Um ever since I was a little kid, I've always wanted to be a pro wrestler. When we were in kindergarten and people were making uh, what they wanted to become uh, when they grow up out of paper towel rolls, there was a lot of kids making, making police officers and girls making veterinarians and doctors. And I, I had a singlet on a paper towel roll, and, and no one knew what it was, and I told everybody that it was a professional wrestler. and It's been my, my dream and my desire since my fondest childhood memories.
4: Tremendous. Tremendous. Well let's let's take a caller from Canada. Peter H, you hardcore Canadian. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you guys doing over there? Oh, tremendous, brother. We're probably not as cold as you are. Uh it's raining up here right now.
1: <laughs> it's about ninety six where I'm at.
4: Ugh. Antioch man. Oof. Dry heat, brother. Yes sir. Dry heat. Oh man, i are gonna have to uh, move. You're going to have to move out closer, brother, so you don't have to do so much driving. <laughs> Very true. Alrighty. righty. Oh man. <clears throat> so um Rick, how did you how did you break into the business? What 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 uh roads did you take to to uh get trained and and learn how to uh learn your craft?
1: Well, um when I was younger, uh, when I was still in high school, I was fortunate enough that the town that I live in, the football coach is Earthquake Anthony Ferris, who used to wrestle yeah, for the buddy. AWA, and uh, he he would run a show once a year for a fundraiser for the athletic uh, commission of Antioch for the the high school sports. And this is we we had two high schools at, at this point when I started high school, but Antioch was the original high school here. And he would bring in wrestlers from all around and, and do a show that was called Legends of Wrestling. Uh, during their first show that they had here in Antioch, I was fortunate to, I showed up early. I was a bit of a Mark. I showed up early and I wanted to talk to all the wrestlers and learn how to get into the sport. And I uh, met a guy named Mark Antonucci. Anthony Antonucci also went by the wrestling name of Schizo Mafioso. And I i ended up exchanging numbers with him, which is you know, a a great break for me because this guy, seeing how much I was driven to become a professional wrestler and actually took the time to give me his actual phone number. And after staying in contact with him for two years, um, I was fortunate when I was doing backyard wrestling to find a company that had a professional ring and was running shows up in the Yuba Sutter area that when I, when I talked to that company, was looking for a trainer and it just you know it, it all tuned in everything fell into place and I brought the PCW schizo Mafioso as the head trainer and I was able to get training out of it because of that
4: well you you mentioned PCW and you, you can't mention PCW and not mention Mr. Primetime um, oh yeah MPT
1: MPT okay. was the the founder PCW, along with TOL, James Hate, the original legend, um, both those guys, as well as Scotty Abu were there from the beginning, and I, I came into play with those guys, I trained with them for three and a half years, uh, three times a week, every weekend, we, we learned the fundamentals of pro wrestling, and, and everything in between, and uh, MPT was my biggest competition uh, in pro championship wrestling. I mean, from from workouts to training sessions to having to do mile runs, MPT was at my heels every step of the way. So I was fortunate to have someone that's still wrestling to this day right there alongside of me the entire time, pushing me and driving me. And I, and I kind of feel I pushed him and drove him a little bit too to get where we are today.
4: Yeah, I, I get the the symbiotic type of five with you two. Um, what one does, the other, you know, will either follow or... And that's cool, because there's not... A lot of guys don't have that one person in the business that they can just trust. Hey, brother. Very true. out Very to the true. ring, here's my wallet, and here's my watch. I'll be back in 20 minutes, and
1: exactly. your wallet
4: still there. Um, you know, Zach's a good dude, man, you know. He's always got the time, and you know yeah, that's prime time. <laughs> prime, time. Time, prime time.
1: Always has the time. prime time.
4: I love that guy. Why in the hell are you guys not your act? Midnight prime time. Why aren't you guys on a national level TV? I mean,
0: tag teams are not dead. Sorry, Vince, you have not killed them.
1: Well, the only thing that I could say, speaking for myself, is one word: bodies. That's that's the one thing. In my mind and in many other minds that are very keen and very smart to this business, bodies. That's, That's what myself and MPT are missing right now that we're working on. That is the one piece of the puzzle that was not in the box when it was manufactured. That's something we had to search for. We have to find on our own, and once we get that, I believe that is the final piece before we actually are on a national level.
4: I'm gonna have to agree. I'm gonna have to agree. Um, i c I can't say enough. I mean fuck, go to YouTube, type in the brick luxury, enough said. Or type in Mr. Primetime. Enough said. I, I or can't Or type in type in the
1: territory. It's all right there. there you go. Plain to see. Territory T V.
4: Mhm. There you go. Didn't they just release a new D V D?
1: Uh they released idols don't exist. Um it's, it's basically, it was, it was broadcast to be a documentary type video, but in all honesty, the video is more just their spin on how they film professional wrestling, and it's the most bloodiest matches that, that they filmed in the, in the time that they've been around. So I wouldn't call it a documentary, but I would call it if you want to see hardcore action or just actually, truly good storylines put out, the Territory TV DVD of Idols Don't Exist is a great DVD.
0: It's also been
1: named uh, the Rick Luxury um, Greatest Matches DVD since I'm on, I believe, 7 of 10. Geez.
4: Now, the cage match with MPT was on there.
1: Um, Cage match with Adam Thornsta was on there. And, uh, MPT's like never that. been inside of a cage match yet.
4: Okay, that's right.
1: The the cage match with Adam Thornstow, in my mind, is probably my favorite match I've ever been in in the nine years
4: I've been wrestling. There you go. Well, you, you mentioned Adam Thornstow, um, the scum. You know, those kids from Reno, man, I I I, I can't explain them.
1: Um, what are your feelings on, on the scum? Well, um, truth be told, a lot of those guys actually came to the PCW work farm um, in, I want to say, in 2000, 2001. And they all started training with us at that time. So that's how the relationship between the majority of the scum, actually the majority of anybody that's ever came out of Reno and uh, Northern California Wrestling came to be. Um, My thoughts on the Reno scum those guys are tremendous athletes. They've actually taken the time to work on the body as well as to work on their wrestling skills. Uh, Adam Thornstow is in my opinion, the best wrestler in Northern California. Uh, he's, he's my favorite guy to have to get in the ring against. I always have good matches with him. Uh, luster, the legend pound for pound is probably one of the toughest and sickest, uh, wrestlers in Northern California today. Um, Paul Isadora speaks for himself. He's seven feet tall. Uh he the guy shatters backboards in basketball and uh could shatter a couple backs if he felt like it. Malachi is, is another one that's just pound for pound, one of not only the toughest, but probably one of the 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 most solid wrestlers in Northern California. Um Corey Dayton actually came out of that that entire group as well in the beginning and Corey Dayton, even though he hasn't been on the scene much, is a solid wrestler. They they fine-tuned their skills and their fundamentals uh, early in their career, and they continue to work on it throughout it. So those guys are a class act, uh, and I I don't think Northern California wrestling would be what it is or what it has been in these past, for those guys, past almost eight years uh, without those guys.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Adam... Adam is an unbelievable talent. Um, You know, you can take steroids to get bigger, but there isn't a shot you could take to make you grow two or three inches. And if there was, I would make We'd all be six foot four. (laughs) Believe me. (laughs) I mean, I, I would push Adam to the front of the line. I mean, that kid, he's got tenacity and you know, not to mention you know his his the way he he works in the ring, the way he uh, the the way he interacts outside of the ring, um, he's a true professional, and and I I've always loved his work. Now Luster, on the other hand, that guy is a fucking monster.
3: Yes,
1: he hey, is. He
4: is fucking huge, man. Um, before the last Fog City show, I I had the pleasure of of having lunch with Luster, and you know he's sitting there with his, his cut off, uh, you know. Uh, leather jacket with these fucking arms hanging out. I'm like, dude! Yeah, one thing about up.
1: Luster that no one understands is he's very intelligent. Yes. People take a look at him and they look at it and they look at his image and they go, oh, this guy, you know, he's as dumb as a box of rocks. But honestly, Luster understands this business. He understands this the history of this business, this business past. And he also envisions the future of this business. So... He's a very intelligent person and uh he can back it up too. I mean, if you want to say he's an idiot, he can he can show you, you know. You're going to have to bring kryptonite around I think to stop Luster the
4: Legend. Uh go to YouTube, type in Beer Brawl B and you'll see. That's all I've got to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we try to we try to shun that off of the records.
4: <laughs> hey, even the boys have to have fun too. So well. That's what that's what that's about. That's strictly for the boys to have fun. There it is. There it is. Now, now, Isadora, I think he's coming into his own more. Um, I feel, after seeing his last couple of matches um, for Fog City, that, that he is starting to work like a big man. That was the one knock on him, was that he wouldn't uh, work like I've, a and big man. And I've heard man. that
1: before. And I've heard that before. <laughs> Um, I think paul isdor's best matches, and it's not the two mile horn, but I think some of the best matches paul Idors had is something that i uh, that I've been involved in um there's a few matches there was a uh i believe it was two thousand and five i wanna say it was directly after I won the s p w extreme title um my opponents from the night before were Bonsai Bruce Bukaki and El Hijo de Chupacabra, now known as El Chupacabra. We were in a match against Paul Zadori, the three of us taking on Paul by himself. And that match showed exactly how Paul needed to work as a big man. And I agree, there was, there was a lot of people that were like, well, this guy, you know, he's just not working the way he should for being as big as he is. But I think with uh, the tutelage of, of Adam Thornstow and Luster, the legend, and Malachi, that Paul's finally understanding, wait, wait, hold on, there's a light going on. I am seven feet tall, and it's finally came to the point where Paul's now realizing how big he is and exactly what he has to do in the ring.
4: Now, you, you mentioned Chupy. Um That dude is – I don't think gravity applies to him. Um both uh him and sheik kind of body i i don't think the gravity applies to either one um, both
1: are both are really good wrestlers both are really good <laughs> wrestlers in fact sheik now is located in florida he moved down there um just this past month the beginning of this month he relocated to florida to give their indie scene a shot and uh in hopes to maybe try and do something with TNA or or further it with uh florida championship wrestling but back on the page of El Hijo de Chupacabra or El Chupacabra, that guy has came from tremendous odds from when he first started uh, on a whim. It was, a, in my belief, it was a bet that got him into the pro wrestling business. And he stuck with it. And he not only did he stick with it, but he could have been just an average Joe like they come and go all the time in this business and just got lost among the paperwork but he decided to uh, further his craft and and become a student of the game and he studies pro wrestling um, unlike any other and he just furthers himself each and every time he gets in the ring and I do believe that there is no laws of gravity with El but I've been in probably more matches with chupacabra than i have with anyone else in this state
4: yeah he just i i can't explain that just just the way that that he moves in the ring there's just there really isn't a comparison um i mean i've seen you know some of the best flyers in the world but i mean i can't compare him the way he looks and, and moves in the ring i I, and I and I agree
1: because because you can get a a trained monkey to get inside of a ring and do backflips and and do cartwheels but he Chupacabra puts it together he understands when to fly and why to fly and and he puts he puts it all together as as if he's playing chess every time he gets into the squared circle so that's, in my belief, what separates him from most people that can defy gravity, is he actually understands when and why to do so.
4: I have to agree. Now, um, those that are in uh, Northern California, uh, this Saturday night at 11 p.m. on KOFY Channel 20, um, Fog City will be presenting a full one-hour show um highlighting some of their recent matches and maybe you, I'll
1: get on this one. Uh
4: you will be on this one. Uh you'll be in the main event. Uh let's let's run down the lineups real quick. We have uh in the ladies division we have Punch Drunk Amigas against Bump and Grind. Uh one half of Bump and Grind. Morgan oh God she's fine. But yeah, uh the ladies will be in the opener and the next match we have Chupacabra taking on uh Chicano Flame, which was just a, an amazing solid match. Um, Dana Lee taking on Eric Cannon uh, two very very good professional wrestlers uh, yes, and sir. the next one the, the next one will have a a wild and let me emphasize on the word wild eight man brawl with the Caesar Black experience taking on the Reno Scum and Oliver John and in the main event late night primetime uh, Rick Luxury and Mr. Primetime taking on Dylan Drake and Kenny King now I'll tell you I was there for that match and that was some intense stuff. You have to see it to believe it. Um let's uh let's let's talk about that that Fog City show in late April. Um <clears throat> where uh you guys were uh with your manager Marcus Mack and uh his ponytail ass was running his mouth as usual. And uh <laughs> I know he's listening, but I love you anyway, Mark. But uh yeah, you guys uh You guys had that angle with uh, Dylan Drake and Kenny King, as well as uh, little Dylan. Um, Tell me, are you surprised at the progress that uh, Luke Perry's son has made?
1: Uh, Luke Perry's son is very young in this business, but yet he has one thing that... Um, not to knock a bunch of people, but there's a lot of students in Northern California wrestling that are missing this. Luke Perry's son has ears. And what I mean by that is mm-hmm. he listens. And he honestly cares about what he has to do. He doesn't just go out there thinking, okay, well, this is my time to shine. He understood, you know, his part. And by doing so, he elevated that match. And, and it's, it's probably hard for a lot of people to believe that an 11-year-old kid could do anything to elevate a match, especially between Kenny King, Dylan Drake, and Late Night Primetime. But he, he basically anchored in the crowd for that match. He had the crowd watching every yep. inch of, of, of action.
4: Now, now Rick, during that match, I was in the upper balcony and I was standing next to uh the kid's stepfather. And okay. it was just just nuts the way, you know, he was he was just going nuts. And I was and everybody was going crazy. I've I've rarely seen an indie crowd get that hot. And you got you guys just have to see the fucking match. That's all I got to say. Um I was in shock and, and I mean, I've seen everything under the sun and, and nothing really surprises me, but you know, you guys blew me away. Um, I was just, just in total shock with it. And, um, they, they couldn't have picked a better match to put as the, as the headlining match for the TV show. Um, because it was solid all the way around. Um, not, not, not just the finish. It was, you know, top to bottom, it was good stuff. Um, now, a week after that match, you you and uh, Mr. Primetime had a match with arguably SoCal's top tag team, uh, Las Luchas, uh, Zokray and uh, Phoenix Star. Um, solid, solid tag match. Really one of the better tag matches I've seen in a while. Um, tell me, how was it to work with those two gentlemen?
1: Um, well, I had never truly met either one prior to that event but uh, literally
2: they yeah, were late
1: <laughs> I, 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 exactly um
2: <laughs> it was
1: it was very interesting because people might people listening from from out of california might not understand this but as far as sports go in california there is a divider in central california uh, and it doesn't matter what sport it is baseball football pro wrestling there's a split and northern california and southern california in the sports world might as well be as far apart as new york is to los angeles because we we bring a different style in every aspect you know we have various different fans and to bring in Arguably the top tag team from SoCal, even though they're just a drive away uh, into wrestle, what I would say is arguably one of the top tag teams in Northern California. Uh, it was It was very interesting because normally you should have an ego clash at any point because SoCal is so low on Northern California and Northern California is so low on Southern California in the wrestling business um to bring in arguably their top tag team to work us and they're not being egos clash it was it was four pro wrestlers who understood what we had to do that night and we just went out and performed to the best of all of our abilities so it was it was very interesting it was there was no tug of war backstage on who was going to do what uh it was it was very very crisp it worked it worked perfectly
4: i agree and hopefully Um,
1: and hopefully like i said with the with the with the way it is in the sports world of it being a great division where we should actually be two separate uh states hopefully it opened doors for for both teams you know to maybe cross over
4: yeah i i have to agree um You and MPT, as well as Marcus, you guys need to um, hop in a car and drive on down and uh, get some SoCal bookings. Uh, Well, we'll
1: see. I'm I'm working. I'm working the top dog from Southern California this uh, coming Saturday, so we'll see if any doors get open from the from that match.
4: There you go. Now, um, Rikishi down south has has opened a new promotion. Um, He uses. uses Knox Pro, he's he's used uh, Sparky Ballard, the referee. He's used Marcus Mack as a manager, Um, not as a a ring announcer, as an actual manager. Um, Has there been any talks of uh, late-night primetime going down to work for the Big quiche?
1: Well, um, there's a few guys that are actually behind the scenes of that company, and I'm very close with one of them. Um, I have a good relationship with him. And uh, I I had contacted him when I found out this past show was going on about what I had to do to get late night primetime booked down there, uh, since the individuals worked with both me and uh, MPT as well in multiple uh, matches. So he said that uh, Reno, the Black Pearl, was actually the one booking the show, and I believe they have quite a few students signed up right now that have been training with them, so they were kind of doing a low pro show where they were trying to showcase their own talent. Um, Mm -hmm. as far as future shows go, I'm sure they're going to have to start bringing in more names and more faces to the mix. And when that day comes, I have no doubt that late night primetime will be working with Knox pro.
4: Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going through the, through the lineups for, uh, this, uh, this coming show on Saturday for uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution. Um, And they're they're bringing in quite a few names for this show. Um, You're going to have the minis. um, You're going to have the Border Patrol, obviously. uh, EO Del Rey Mysterio, super crazy. uh, Oliver John, I mean, just the names. You know, I mean, I'm looking here at the lineup, and Joey Ryan and Rick Luxury is the second match on the card. I mean, that could headline any show.
1: I'm hoping to be the sleeper.
4: Yeah. No doubt. Uh, now, my question is, are you going to sit in uh, in the bleachers and watch the minis match, Masquerita Dorada and Pekino P-Roth?
1: No, I, I actually, you know, believe during the show that K-Fave is a very, very big part of professional wrestling, so I will not be sitting in the stands to watch any matches.
4: Okay. Are you going I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a rather large huddle around a monitor in the back
1: uh if if there is a monitor in the back and there's a huddle, I'll, I will now I'm, a, I'm very honest about this. Um, you can ask a lot of young talent. I try and watch every match on the card um, if If I'm asked to watch a match for a, a youngster, I'll sit down and watch it so I can critique it for him. Um, But also there's times that I'm just interested in what's going to happen in in the ring. And uh, that's when guys like Oliver John and MPT or an Adam Thornstow uh, are in the ring with someone. I'm interested to watch the match, not to critique it, but actually to sit back and say, hey, you know, these guys are the guys that I look forward to knowing that I'm against on a regular basis. I want to see what they're doing.
4: Well, you, you mentioned Oliver John. Um Oliver John has been selected as the Rubber Guard Radio wrestler of the week for this week. Uh you can go to my MySpace and I've posted some videos of Oliver John so you can check them out. Um and, and Oliver very John,
1: deserving of that part.
4: I I I can't say enough about Oliver John. Um
1: I can. I hope I never see him again. <laughs> I hope the only time I see Oliver John is if I decide one day to start watching pro wrestling again and turn on the TV and he's headlining. (laughs) Oliver John has the body. Oliver John has the fundamentals. Oliver John has the endurance and he has the psychology. There is no reason why Oliver John is still wrestling anywhere around these parts unless they're flying him in because there's a big show and a sellout arena. Mm.
4: I have to agree. And, you know, the man, the man is amazing on the stick. Um, NwaWrestling.com. since they've relaunched the Showcase TV show, um, Oliver John has been, in, been in a very big part of the show, and they have made Oliver a star. Um, I believe along Oliver with,
1: John made himself a star.
4: Right. Oh, a, I'm a long time think. ago. Well, they – what happened was they gave him that outlet to on, – on a larger scale to, to show his talents as the leader of the Border Patrol. And, I mean, they've got me sold that there's going to be a title change on June 6th. I'm sold. He's going to take down that dirty Mexican blue demon. I'm sold. <laughs> I'm fucking sold. And, you well, know, they got my ticket.
1: I, be- I believe Oliver John is very deserving of that spot. And uh, actually, I believe Oliver John is deserving of spots higher than that. I believe Oliver John's deserving to be in the ring against a uh, guy of the caliber of Randy Orton on a on a big stage on a pay per view. So, for the NWA to be giving him a chance, uh, I hope the best uh, best for him. I hope it happens. Mm-hmm. And if I was a fan, I would buy a ticket as well.
4: Once I saw Oliver and Demon, that was it. Now, did you watch dope.
1: their their previous matches?
4: <clears throat> no.
1: Oliver John wrestled Blue Demon. Uh, oh, I saw, at the, a, TV at a I saw the TV match. I saw the PWR show as well.
4: No, I didn't see the PWR match for the for the PWR title. I didn't see that one. I did see the uh, one they had on the NWA TV.
1: It was a it was a very good match. I think those guys have great chemistry together, and and hopefully, you know, you, hopefully you you said the 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 golden word and. Maybe it's time that NWA has a uh, new champ in old school. It is time.
4: It's time. Blue Demon has overstayed his welcome. Um, That I really critical of the guy. I just I've never really liked him, Um, and it's not because I don't like lucha. I love lucha. Rob, you can speak on that. Um, That's the truth. Let's see. I'm going to try to patch in this caller from the nine two five. They keep calling in. Caller from the nine two five. Who am I speaking with?
1: Nobody okay. once again.
4: <laughs> With the, the a
1: lot of prank calls weird. from here in Antioch.
4: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I guess there's nothing else to do out there.
1: Uh, Tip cows.
4: <coughs> no comment. <laughs> Just uh, make sure you look under the poop. You might find something cool, but <laughs> never mind. <clears throat> it's from my younger days. So let's see. Now, now, you say that you and Mr., Mr. Primetime, the only thing that's missing out of that, that puzzle box is you guys working on your bodies. And, and I've noticed um, over the last few shows that I've seen yet at that, that your, your body is starting to improve. Yeah, um,
1: yeah I, I found Jenny Craig.
4: Hey, there it is.
1: She was hiding under a milkshake machine.
4: <laughs> well, you know, you could, you could always do like Oliver John did. Oliver John, you use the Weight Watchers point system.
1: I'll, you know what? I can't knock that. I have a bunch of family members that have used that, and it, it's actually worked towards them. I just need – my my thing is I just need to find my niche. You know, I've I've been told by many people, do this, do this, do this. I just need to find what works for Rick Luxury. And as soon as I find that, yeah, I'm, I have a basic plan. My plan is I believe that within this year, uh, even though they're dear friends of me, Oliver John and Adam Thornstow need to disappear from this state and only come back once or twice a year. Uh and once that happens, I believe at that point, well then it's it's Mr. Prime time and myself's time. So There you go. I just need to I just need to find the niche that works for me that gets this uh this excess weight off of me. Because in, in my opinion and it might sound to anyone listening a little uh a little, how do I say this, cocky, but I believe if the WWE were to take a look at me today and give me a shot to get in the ring or get on the mic and get behind the camera, that my ability and working the stick and my charisma could land me a contract. The only thing that would make them say, well, come back in a year would be my body. So that's what I need well, to work let's, on
4: uh, we're going to take a call from the 916 who am I speaking with caller from the 916 hello yes welcome to Rubber Guard Radio, who am I speaking with
2: this is a biffster <laughs> biff yes
4: well, <laughs> welcome to the show do you have a question for Mr. Luxury
1: Oh, I just want to know uh, what's Rick Luxury up to on this coming Sunday. Oh, this coming Sunday, Supreme Pro Wrestling at the St. Peter's Hall, uh, sixty-two hundred McMahon Drive in Sacramento, California. Go to www.supremeprowrestling.com. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the rematch. It's it's myself and El Chupacabra, the new industry standards looking to regain our tag team gold from the Reno scum, who we talked about earlier. And
4: yeah, that, that would be cool. Luster and Adam? Is it Luster uh, yes. and Adam?
1: Yes, Lus- Luster and Adam is the tag team champs right now in Supreme Pro Wrestling. Let's just say I always have a couple tricks up my sleeve, so <laughs> I'm not I'm not worried about it. The, those belts are whores, and uh, they've stayed in the luxury suite before, and they called me up and said, Hey, Hey daddy, it's time to come home. So.
3: (laughs) Shit.
4: (laughs) Well, you, you mentioned, you, you mentioned Supreme pro, um, two words, big, ugly. No,
2: the big, ugly is
1: probably pound for pound. One of the toughest guys I've wrestled, uh, Big Ugly's beating the hell out of me up and down California, up into Portland. Um, he's he's a tremendous wrestler. Uh, he's he's won multiple titles anywhere he goes, and not only that, but he he drives to bring the best out in who he works every time he works somebody. You
4: know, it's it's, it's JD has not signed on with any other, um, larger group. Um, I understand he's got, you know, he's got the family, he's got the promotion, he's got, you know, his, his real life going on, but he's got the talent to, you know, he's the complete package and he can, you know, if he chose to get up and go to Florida, he'd be able to, you know, work full time down there. And and I've always said that about, and I love JD's work. Um, Plus, he's an awesome dude, man. I love him to death. He awesome. he
1: opened his doors to me early in my career when I decided to leave PCW um, after three and a half years. He, uh, through Joe Applebaum, opened his doors to SPW to me and basically became my home away from home and helped me fine-tune, he, you know, he he gave me the canvas for me to paint like Picasso. So... I uh, I owe him that, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, if he would motivate himself and 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 concentrate on going somewhere else, he'd do it. It's like you said. There's probably there's probably some reason that he hasn't done it yet, but if he ever felt like you know what, this is my time, he could do it.
0: I have to agree. Um, any other questions there, Mister? Uh, no, that's about it. I just wanted to say hi to Rick, and, um, I'll see him on Sunday for sure.
1: All right, I'm sure you'll be wearing your scum shirt too, Biffster.
0: Uh, I, I might, I don't know, I might be a little neutral, but, um, it's going to be one hell of a match, man, I know that.
1: Well, you take care, Biff.
0: All right, you too, Rick, we'll see you Sunday, brother.
4: Awesome, awesome, thanks for calling in, bro. All right, nope. Yes, um, you know Big Ugly does run one hell of a promotion. Um I've gone up there for a sh- I went up there last year for a show and I was impressed. Um it was in the middle of the uh the the 7 S- Supreme 7 series. Yeah, the Supreme 7 with uh him and Thatcher. And I was just I was comp- I was just really impressed and you know I I I'm very yeah, uh, you see how, how should I put it? um I tend to be critical sometimes when seeing a group for the first time, and I just actually sat there and watched and enjoyed the show um and I was just like it just really uh, i don't know just just grabbed me, and I was just so so happy to be there that I was asked to be there and it you know made me proud
1: s p w is very fan oriented and it's it's almost cult. Like, because the fans that go there respect there, and they also enjoy being. I've I've wrestled in many of crowds that you can tell sometimes it's like, well, why are you guys even here at a wrestling show? And the SPW crowd goes because they enjoy Supreme Pro Wrestling, and uh, it's a great place to work. It's a great outlet to fine tune and. It's a it's a great stress reliever. It's always fun to work SPW. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, let's take a call from the 530. 530, caller, whom am I speaking with?
2: Well, before I let you know what my name is, I just want to say that uh, I think the show is terrible. Your your interview skills are... Keep this guy on the line. dismal. Why don't you move along the show? It took five minutes for Rick Luxury to put himself over and put Supreme Wrestling crap over. Let me tell you something. Rick Luxury is a pile of crap. If he was, if he was any good, he would already be gone, but he's, he sits at home and he plays Nintendo all day. He's got no future. Listen, Rick, this is a name from your past. This is Guy Joe.
1: Oh, Guy Fajot. That's This is a very class act, Guy Joe. I ran you out of professional wrestling.
2: I had some personal things to attend to, Rick, but I'll tell you something else. I've been training. I've been doing squats. I've been I've been eating properly, unlike you, and I'll tell you what, I'm ready to get back in the ring, and how about I meet you in Sacramento in a couple days, and I'll take I'll take your, your boas and, and that stupid belt, and I'll shove it right up your ass. Well,
1: you know, what's funny is it seems to me As if you are stalking me, because I didn't use boas back when I ended your career. And the only way that you would know such is by studying me. So I guess your ambitions to want to be me is very flattering, and I thank you.
2: Ambition? You can't even spell ambition. This is Keith I'm not like that kiss-ass bister who likes to call and he's got his, his thumb up his own butt. Let me tell you something straight up. Brian Cage can tie you in a knot. Jason Vega can out wrestle you any day of the week. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we listen. You have to think about that luxury.
1: Listen, before before you fall out of your chair, think about what you're saying and remember what happened about 10 years back and uh tend to your life the way you have been.
2: That was the past, and today is the future, and the year of Depaot is here
1: well, today would be the present tomorrow would be the future
2: <laughs>
1: this kid this kid's act honestly must have mental issues and needs to find himself
4: i a i i can't i can't speak for my callers um but hell, at least he's tuning in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly.
4: There you go. There you go. You don't just draw money. You draw listeners. And, that's and I draw I heat. Draw yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Now, now I'll tell you, Rick. Um, all the times that I've seen you before shows and after shows, you're always in a shirt and tie, always, you know, looking good, looking sharp. Um, do you try to...
2: Put off that aura, I'm a professional.
1: Yeah, I I was actually told by a few old-timers that the way it was when the NWA was a powerhouse was that everybody showed up to the building in suit and tie. They left the building in suit and tie. If they went to a restaurant or to a bar afterwards, they were in suit and tie. They went to the airport in suit and tie. They got off the cab or, or rental car in suit and tie. And when they walked into their own home, that's when life outside of pro wrestling for them began again. So the way I want to derive myself is I'm a professional wrestler. I act the part. I look the part. And if anybody sees me on the streets and goes, hey, that's, that's Rick Luxury, I look the part. And and that's what I think a lot of people are missing is pro wrestling is no longer what it used to be. And it's not because Vince McMahon decided to go, hey, I don't want to pay licensing, let's make this sports entertainment. It's because too many people are getting in the business today that don't know who the forefathers of professional wrestling are. Too many people are getting in the business today that don't know the history, that don't know the meaning, and don't know the lifestyle of pro wrestling. And there's too many people that think that they can get a pair of kickboxing shorts and get a month's worth of training, maybe learn how to bump, and could get in the ring and put on a show in front of their friends and family because they're giving them the tickets or paying for them themselves. It's not their job to get their friends and family to show up. It's their job to get the person that works at the corner market or the newspaper writer or the kids at school to show up. And there's too many people that are in the business right now that think it's okay to get clothes that they wouldn't wear on a Friday night and wear them to the ring And have their friends and families watch them. That's not professional wrestling. And that is why I make sure to dress the part.
4: There you go. If you're going to be a professional, look like one. Um,
2: And if you're going to be a professional
1: wrestler, take the time to buy some boots. Get some gear that no one else is wearing. Become an individual. There's too many people that, I mean, I've been to shows up and down, you know, this state, in other states. And I've seen guys that are a year into the business, six months into the business, and they're wearing gear that I've seen 10 other guys wear. Or I can tell them, hey, man, you got that from uh, this website because it's being mass produced. And that's the thing. Just like the cheap gear that's being thrown around the wrestling locker room, that's what's happening to the pro wrestlers. It's being yeah. mass produced. Back in the day, then, then I always wished that Back to the Future was a real life movie that it was that it really happened because I'd love to go back to the 50s and try and become a pro wrestler because they didn't let any SMO with twenty dollars in their pocket become a pro wrestler. Guys were getting beat up, limbs broken, you know, faces bashed in to make sure that these guys would stick around to be pro wrestlers. My training, I got kicked, punched, spit on, called every name in the book, told I wasn't ever going to make it, I'm too small, I don't have the heart, the desire, the time, the effort, anything. And the only reason my trainer did that is to make sure that this is what I want to do. And there's too many guys that get nice guys that, that maybe shouldn't even be training. There's there's very few people that I believe should be training in, in Northern California. I think Big Ugly. I think Vinny Massaro, the entire APW boot camp, uh, anybody that comes from PCW, uh, the Oliver John, Adam Thornstow, those guys should be training people. Uh, there's a lot of people that are training guys that I don't think should be training, not not just because they don't understand the aspects of training a wrestler, but maybe they just don't understand pro wrestling themselves. And there's too many people that are going, oh, hey, you could pay my, uh, you could pay my PG&E bill this month, so guess what, kid? You're on a wrestling show, and that's well, not the business. Let, let,
4: let, let me cut you off real quick, Rick. Um, you've mentioned the man... Um, probably fifty times. I'd like to welcome to the show the leader of the, or one of the leaders of the scum, Mr. Adam Thornstow. Welcome to the show, Adam.
0: Rick. Hi.
1: What's up, Adam?
0: Oh, I just wanted to call and say thanks for putting me over so much. Uh, I'll be well, the fucking pins out of you on Sunday.
1: Oh, that's that's fine. Bring your A
0: game. <laughs> but uh, I just really appreciate it. I call it uh, uh, a I tell you, of too, I tell head. you
1: too many times, man. You're my favorite wrestler in in this state. And like I said earlier, you might not have caught it, but I hope I don't see you again. I hope yeah. that the only time I see you is if you turn, if I turn on the TV and decide to watch mainstream wrestling, and that's the well, honest opinion.
0: I just wanted to know that. I really appreciate that, man, because you know I don't have it out or have a whole lot of respect for a lot of guys in this area, especially if you read my last blog. But um, oh yeah, anyways, and I'm as far as that
1: goes, as far as that more
0: than last ninety percent, Rick. Well. As far no, as blogs
1: go, is, oh, I should get in shape, but as far as blogs go, I just want to go on record and say the only, the only way that somebody would blow me out of the water is if I was floating on my back with my dick hanging out. <laughs>
0: Very nice. Anyways, I'm not going to steal your spotlight, buddy. I just wanted to call All right, man. appreciate it. All right, I'll beat your
1: ass on Sunday.
0: All right
4: thanks for dropping by Adam brother
1: <laughs> That's another thing that would... about this see this is what I'm talking about earlier about there's too many people becoming carbon copy wrestlers. There's very few people that still hold respect for guys that they see care about this business. There's too many people go there's too many people in locker rooms here in Northern California that have only been wrestling for a year and when a guy like Michael Modest or Oliver John are in the ring wrestling. They're not standing there watching. They're dicking around. And the reason that is is because they look at themselves to be on the same level playing field as a guy that has been in this business for 10-odd years or more, learning his craft and perfecting his trade. And these guys are lucky because... In the way that the wrestling business is today, they're becoming accepted. And that's my main problem with pro wrestling right now, is there's too many guys that are getting away with going to Payless, buying a a pair of lace-up shoes, going to to Big Five, and buying some some, uh, kickboxing shorts and calling themselves pro wrestlers. And until companies start to look at those guys and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, 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 you're not ready, or wait a minute, wait a minute, you don't, you don't have the respect that's needed to be in this business. This business will never survive. It will always be around, but it will never thrive like it did. It, it's guys like, if I could, if I can narrow down just from guys in Northern California, if I can narrow down and make a roster. It would be guys like Vinny Massaro, Big Ugly, MPT, myself, Adam Thornstow, Luster the Legend, Paul Isadora, Malachi, Corey Dayton, DJ Riz, El Chupacabra, Hayashi, Drake Frost, uh, Matt Carlos from APW, Dave Dutra. Those guys, Derek Sanders, uh, Dylan Drake, those guys would be a solid roster. And if I if I forgot to mention some names, there's anybody that's around this area knows If I think this way of them, because I'm very blunt, there's, there's a group of guys that know if I didn't mention them, they know that they'd be on the list. I just don't want to take up a bunch of time talking about a bunch of names. There's other guys that shouldn't be in this business. And if they truly want to be in this business, they should take the all pro wrestling approach and take two years in a training facility before they ever debut. And the reason this being is because they don't have the respect. They don't give the respect. They haven't earned the respect. And they don't really care about the business. They do it because it's fun. And people that want to make it in this business don't wrestle because it's fun. They wrestle because it's their life. They wrestle because it's their dream. They wrestle because it's their passion. And that's the problem. And I'm sure that there's people in Southern California listening to this that can sit back and go... Yeah, you know what? I can make a 20-man, 30-man roster of guys that should be in SoCal Wrestling. And I can also make a list of 30 guys that should be in a training facility or just not in this business. They should be flipping burgers. And that could be said for any company nationwide, worldwide. There's guys that just are in this business because either A, they know somebody, or B, they put the money in the right hand.
4: Hmm. I have to agree with you. Um, before, we have about two minutes left on the live feed, so I'm going to pipe in this Skype caller. Skype caller, who am I speaking with?
2: Yeah, this is Elliot.
4: Hey, Elliot, what's going on? Do you have a question for Mr. Luxury?
2: This is Elliot Fox from NAW, and I was just wondering what he thinks of my wrestling ability. Elliot. See,
1: Elliot, there's, you're, you're a tricky one, because you can bump... And you can go through the moves. I think that you need to and I'm just shooting with you, brother. I think that you need to
2: wait, wait, get wait, a what little is, what does shooting a sh-
1: mean? A shoot? I'm being dead serious with you. This is this is from me to you, I'm telling you my thoughts. Don't take it if you take it the wrong way, sorry, but I'm being honest. Okay. I think that you need to get psychology. And the problem with that is is you're still very, very young in wrestling, so it's not going to come to you overnight. Uh, you're gonna, you'll, you'll adapt as long as you stick with this business, and I think you should stick with this business because there's something in you that you don't know you have, and I can see it, and I'm sure guys like Johnny LaRocca and Roland Alexander, those guys can see it. I'm sure Mike Rain can see it. There's something in you that you haven't tapped into yet
2: that Roland's when a, you that guy, right Roland? Roland's the
1: owner of All Pro Wrestling
2: Yeah yeah yeah
1: And the thing is that uh you haven't tapped in to what you need yet and the my only main problem with you is you don't know the history of this sport and that's why I've pressured you so much to learn the history there's a lot of guys in this business that you don't know what they've done and if you study that, you'll understand more about pro wrestling and maybe that will help you find that missing piece that'll make you a better wrestler. You got charisma, you can get a crowd behind you, you can go through the motions and you're a hell of a fucking bumper. But you're just missing that one piece and you're young. You're young in this business.
2: Why, I just don't see why learning um, the history is going to help me in the ring. Well, uh, Basically,
1: kid, when you don't know who Harley Race is, and you don't know who Ricky Steamboat is, and you don't know who the Macho Man Randy Savage is, you don't know who Lutez is, you don't know who Bruno San Martino uh, San Martino is, you are just missing key elements of what this business is all about.
2: Okay. Well, thank you. Awesome. You're
1: welcome.
4: Awesome. Thanks for the call. Wow. <laughs> Well, well the stream is uh we're not streaming anymore but we are still recording. So uh we're we're gonna wrap up. Um I'd like to wish you uh the Ooh. Ooh. All right. Um I'd like to wish you the best of luck um this Saturday. Um how would people go about uh booking you or contacting you, Rick?
1: I could be contacted on MySpace. <clears throat> it's uh, www.myspace.com backslash luxury suite that's L U X U R Y S U I T E I could be contacted by email at Rick Luxury R I K L U X U R Y at hotmail.com or you can just contact the territory through territory TV.com uh, for bookings for myself.
4: Awesome. Mr. Luxury, thank you for for uh, giving us an hour of your time. Um, well, hopefully,
1: I could be on the show again sometime because
4: oh, I love to talk. We're gonna have to ha- we're gonna have to uh, have uh, MPT and Marcus on, so then I could just sit there and run the board while you guys talk.
1: Well, there you go, boss.
4: All right, brother, I'll be contacting you very soon to uh, have you on again. Uh, well, once again, thank, thank you for your, your time.
2: time.
4: You too, sir. Awesome. <clears throat> okay, that was Rick Luxury. Uh, arguably one of the top competitors in the independent scene in Northern California. Um, now, Rob, do you have anything to say?
5: <laughs> oh, I'm all out, man.
4: <laughs> <laughs> now that was that was a pretty uh pretty straightforward interview. Definitely. Definitely. You know, it was uh Rick's always got an opinion, and you know he he can talk wrestling with you know till he's blue in the face. Um, do you have anything to plug this this week?
5: Nah, I got nothing. oh my god I know (sighs) alright
4: brother well uh I will be talking to you next week um thanks for coming on and uh covering me a little bit there with TJ I I had to take a personal call so but um yeah it was a pretty good show
5: definitely always is man yeah
4: awesome alright brother well I will uh talk to you next week
5: alright I'll see you then
4: (laughs) alright dude okay wow wow that was the co-host, Joshi Robb. I'm going to wrap it up. We're uh, going past the stream, so but we're still recording. Um, we'll plug the sponsors, WrestleWarehouse.com, Lucha Libre masks, t-shirts, DVDs. Uh, check out anything from SoCal Pro Wrestling through their whole existence from 2007 on. Uh, the Caged Fury show from this February with uh, Jason Redondo in a cage with uh, SoCal Crazy is a legitimate SoCal Match of the Year. Um, Good stuff there. Also, Slam Bam SlamBamJam.com for all your Lucha Libre and Japanese pro wrestling needs. Um, Alfredo's got classic and current Lucha as well as Japanese pro wrestling and some really good best of compilations. Uh, also, got to throw props to the mothership, AngryMarks.com uh, for all your, your uh, indie news, UFC news, WWE, TNA, ROH, all that good stuff. Uh, I post stuff from time to time, so uh, check that out. Uh, Also, props to LightsOutRadio.com, our MMA analyst, Mr. Matt Bishop, uh, sharing the MMA love. Uh, That should do it. Oh, hit me up on the MySpace, myspace MySpace.com backslash RubberGuardRadio, or you can email me, K-I-D-Z-O-M-B-I-E-2000 at AOL.com. That'll do it from here, and I'll be talking to you guys next week.